Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice and macro research on today's shifting economic and market landscape. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beyond Markets podcast with me, Bernadette Anderko. Everyone's been talking about bonds since yields moved up substantially last year. And more recently, of course, the wipeout of Credit Suisse's additional tier one bonds in their takeover by UBS. So I'm delighted to be joined today by two fixed income experts, Dario Messi from our research department and Roman Frey, who's the head of fixed income investment management. Hello, Bernadette. Hello, Bernadette. I think we might as well start with the elephant in the room. Uh, We thought that bonds ranked higher in the capital structure than equities. So the write off of Credit Suisse's additional tier one bonds took the market by surprise. Maybe you could put that into context for us, Dario. Uh, yeah, indeed. I mean, this definitely shocked the market. A lot was talked about it, and I'm sure a lot will also be discussed about it going forward. For the time being, it seems that the Swiss case is a bit special here, and we also have a specific language uh, in the bond prospectus and the regulatory environment also allowing this move. But if we take a step back, these instruments were introduced after the financial crisis and are meant to absorb such shocks. So they are risky by definition. So from our perspective as an investor, if you want to have exposure to this segment, it certainly needs to be highly diversified. And on top of this, you also want to choose banks which are relatively better capitalized and also the profitability profile looks good. So it doesn't seem that the banking stress is actually just disappearing overnight. Okay, so Roman, would you say that as a result of this, the subordinated bond market is dead in the water now? Uh, No, I don't think that the uh, junior subordinated debt, or more specifically, the AT1 market is dead. It's likely to remain a small but important segment, particularly for banks uh, in the bond market in Europe, as it has been in the past years. Having said this, however, um, and Talking about the bond market in general, the 81 market's importance needs to be put into perspective, as it has always been kind of a niche uh, in the global bond market, at least if speaking of volume. To give you a better idea on that, the 81 market has grown to approximately 250 billion in size, while the global bond market is larger than 60 trillion. So As one can see, we are talking about far less than 1% of the global market. And nevertheless, and I think we have to clearly admit this, despite its relatively small size, it has caused significant volatility on global bond markets recently. Now, second, and a bit more specifically about our positioning when it comes to the AT1s, we have had an allocation to AT1 debt in some of our managed strategies for quite some time. And to be frank, it has worked reasonably well until just recently. Since then, 81s have fallen quite a bit, uh, going from a top performer to bottom loser uh, within the bond asset classes in just a few days. So can you explain for our listeners why it is that you liked them, Roman? Well, we believe that the currently very attractive yields on the 81 bonds comfortably reflect the elevated level of market uncertainty. Therefore, we continue to hold on to these positions in those strategies where we have had exposure as we believe that the damage is done for now. Furthermore, the fundamental picture of particularly 
larger and systemically relevant banks is okay. Uh, it's not comparable to, for instance, the situation we had in 2007 or 2008. But clearly, the 81 market is complex, is a complex credit segment, and, and one has to keep in mind that we are speaking of quasi-equity risk here. So therefore, I would like to highlight a very important portfolio construction element when it comes to building 81 exposure, namely diversification. And I think Daria has alluded to that before. Uh, investments into uh, this particular credit segment should always be made with the highest level of diversification possible. So that is diversified over a large number of different issuers. Okay, then, so looking at the broader market, why should an investor have bonds as part of their portfolio at all? There are several reasons. Usually bonds are meant to deliver some constant fixed income. So we couldn't say that uh, such income was very high in the, the last couple of years. Uh, in this period of uh, financial repression, which really pulled yields down very low or even negative, uh, we can certainly say now this changed to the better. So as central banks hiked aggressively over the last couple of months, uh, yield levels are much higher now. Another reason is the diversification. So with bonds, uh, you have a, a nominal claim, which typically also means you have other performance drivers compared to, to for example, equities. Uh, I'm sure Roman can also agree on this in a portfolio context. Yes, absolutely. I think you raised two very important points. From my point of view, I mean, there is bonds, they play an important role in a portfolio, uh, which I believe is twofold, as you mentioned. It's really about generating a predictable income stream over time at a reasonably low level of risk. And second, it's diversification. About the diversification or the predictable income stream, I think the importance of those, it depends on the portfolio. Is it a bond portfolio or is it a multi-asset class portfolio? But overall, and I fully agree with you, Dario, I think the role one, so the predictable income stream, here the situation has changed a lot over the past one and a half to two years because all of a sudden bonds are back in the game of providing a very decent income thanks to the significantly higher yields. So as a result, and I think this is what you just mentioned, I think bonds have become much more attractive both on an absolute as well as on a relative basis. On an absolute basis, well, they have a significantly higher yield, but also on a relative basis, if you compare bonds to other asset classes, they have suddenly moved up a lot in the uh, risk return spectrum when you compare to other asset classes like, like equity or others. So bonds are indeed, again, very attractive thanks to the market developments we have seen. Okay, so I'm an investor and I've decided I want bonds as part of my portfolio. So when it comes to bond maturities in the US, for example, we've got shorter dated bonds yielding more than longer dated bonds, the so-called inverted yield curve. Does that mean I should be going for the higher yielding shorter dated bonds then? Maybe at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I would say again, the keyword here is diversification. Yields at the short end are more driven by current central bank action. Uh, and yes, they are very high now, but by definition, you get this high yield only for a short time period. So after this, you need to reinvest. And we don't know what entry points uh, we will have, let's say, in one or two years. So in other words, there is not only the duration risk, so the risk that yields go up and the bond value goes down, but there is also this reinvestment risk. And at these yield levels at the moment, we certainly need to take this also into account. So overall, we would not only focus on shorter bonds, 
but uh, really would also add exposure to diversify to longer duration bonds. So based on this, Roman, what are your key principles when investing in bond markets? Well, uh, first and foremost, uh, it's all about the investment process. I'm strongly convinced that a systematic and well-structured investment process is absolutely key for generating performance over the mid to uh, longer term. So let me tell you why this is so important. Uh, Believe me, it greatly helps to cope with the complexity of the bond market in general. And it clearly guides you and potentially even protects you during times of elevated volatility, what we have just seen over the past couple of weeks and months. So therefore, stick to your investment process while making investment decisions. Second, two very important key principles, which we always apply when uh, constructing portfolios, and and, and one is is already well known, Uh, it's diversification. I I think you cannot empathize too much how important it is. And second is the quality focus, the quality focus in selecting issuers and bonds within the portfolio. So these are two key principles we apply while constructing our portfolios. And finally, I think also important is to include all the major relevant risk factors when we make investment decisions, because for bonds, this is highly important. Major risk factors are, of course, first of all, it's duration. I think no surprise, it has been absolutely pivotal over the past one and a half to two years. Um, Second, it's credit or credit spreads. It's the compensation for credit risks, uh, which the investors are taking. And thirdly, one of that I believe is often neglected is liquidity. Liquidity is a very important element we always consider while constructing portfolios because one should never forget that bond markets work differently than, for instance, equity markets do. What about credit risk, Dario? Where do we stand there? Yeah, so uh, look, Bernadette, we expect from here the default cycle to continuously pick up so we live in a world now where, where money is not free anymore. Uh, financial conditions are much tighter. Uh, we have some banking stress, which typically also reduces the willingness to lend. And at the same time, also the economy is cooling. So all in all, this means that companies that were able to model through during this period of low financing costs that we had will have it very difficult now. Uh, which also means, by the way, that this uh, quality bias that Roman was mentioning before should really benefit from here. Okay, so what do you like in particular at the moment? Well, one segment we like quite a bit is emerging market hard currency corporate bonds. Therefore, we opened an overweight in our allocation to emerging market bonds in the strategies we managed early this year. Now, let me tell you why we like them. Uh, First, and I think this is one of the most important factors, we see quite strong market technicals, uh, which can be summarized by solid demand is chasing relatively little supply. And this, of course, is supportive for the asset class. Uh, Second, it's the fundamentals of uh, EM corporates, uh, which we believe that they are solid and I guess they will remain solid for the short-term future. And last but not least, it's the yield. The yield of this asset class is still very attractive. And all in all, therefore, we believe it's a good deal from a risk return perspective. Uh, But again, keep in mind, emerging market bonds are prone to idiosyncratic stories overall. As one tends to say that in EM, there is always a crisis somewhere. 
therefore, again, uh, brings me back to diversification. Uh, it, it's very important to diversify your portfolio when it comes to emerging market bonds. Uh, and this is exactly what we do, just to make sure we don't take any unnecessary concentration risks. Yeah, I mean, I would certainly agree on emerging market debt uh, with Roman. Uh, this segment should really benefit uh, and also be continuously supported by this China reopening team. In developed markets, we are a bit more cautious. I said it before, we expect an increase in defaults. So our strategy there is at the moment to complement some longer duration quality bonds with some shorter dated bonds of slightly more credit risk. So let's say the triple B rated bonds, which are still investment grade. So I'm hearing diversification and liquidity here as the key takeaways. Is that right? Or is there more that you'd like to add? No, I think in core that's right. I mean, overall, and as we have alluded to before, I think bond markets are highly complex and they are very data driven. So how to cope with complexity, as I mentioned before, I think we when we construct portfolios, it's really we focus on a process. Uh, we focus on diversification. It's the quality we look at because Nowadays, you don't have to go too deep into credit because yields are so nice. And finally, as you mentioned, liquidity. Liquidity is an important factor on the bond market. So I think this nicely summarizes the main points we keep in mind when constructing portfolios for uh, our strategies. Thank you very much. Well, I'm sure we could talk for much longer on this fascinating topic, but that's all that we've got time for today. Thank you so much to Roma and to Dario for sharing your wisdom and insights. And thank you to all of you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show and look forward to you joining us again soon to look beyond markets. Get ready for the day ahead. Moving Markets is a daily market news briefing from Julius Baer's leading experts. You'll hear all about the latest ups and downs across asset classes, the underlying drivers, and our thoughts on where markets are heading. Search for Moving Markets on your favourite podcast player. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbaer.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives or other products or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.